Today is Wednesday. It's December 13th, 2023. And it is 2.40 in the afternoon. Hi, this is John Williams, and this is the Mincing Rascals podcast. We broadcast portions of this some Saturday nights on WGN Radio. Listen for me weekdays on WGN from 10 to 2. John Hanson of WGN Radio, Block Club Chicago, the you and your Chicago Blackhawks. What's up, guys? Brandon Pope, host of On the Block, powered by Block Club Chicago on WCIU, and the Making Podcast from WBEZ. Marge Helper and communications consultant, political commentator, and activist with Indivisible Chicago. I'm Austin Berger from the Illinois Policy Institute. And if you need a last-minute Christmas gift for a Chicago politics nerd, you can get my book, The New Chicago Way, Lessons from Other Big Cities. Kate Plies, former Chicago reporter and columnist, now running the um, Strange Chicago History and novel website, Roseland Chicago 1972. I'm Eric Zorn, the holly jolly proprietor of the Picayune Sentinel, the uh, weekly newsletter that's also an excellent holiday gift for those on your list. It fits all sizes, and the color is always right. You can get it for free, but the premium edition does not cost much. It's a worthwhile addition to good journalism in Chicago. It's uh, one of the many things I subscribe to. So, wow, what a full house we got here. Thank you, everybody. We're going to uh, sprint through some questions at the beginning of the pod today. Give us tight answers to some simple questions. Everybody ready? Does the worst answer get voted off? So we can narrow this down a little bit each time. When I I look at your predictions, Eric, you know, last year you were saying is is Putin going to find a way out of this by the end of the year? And this year you're saying is Ukraine going going to surrender? Surrender. So, oh, my God. None of us predicted the outcome of the mayor's race accurately last year either, I don't think. Brandon Johnson wasn't an option on, on Eric's poll. Well, he was like at 2%. It was a 2%. In my defense, he was like at 2% in the polls uh, around this time last year. And he is this time of year round, too. <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I thought I was playing it safe and smart. Chewy Garcia, how could he lose? I think Eric had Chewy as well. And, I did. Uh, he, Will Brandon Johnson still be the mayor at the end of 2024? Kate, go. Yes. <laughs> That's a why. Uh, well. Yes. Yeah. John says. Yeah. Marge says. Yes. That's a low bar. It's the one oh, term or two. That's the big question, right? Yeah, why wouldn't he? <laughs> of course, he'll still be mayor, yeah. <laughs> Eric, where are you? Well, it, it's clear to me that power is very, very hard for people to give up. So I can't. I mean, look at Joe Biden hanging on, and and uh, and look how how long George Santos hung on. I can't believe. I, I think that Johnson probably realizes that he's in way over his head, and he's got uh, he's facing a really tough couple of years. But there's absolutely no way he's going to step down voluntarily. Right. That's all. He's no. not going to be thrown out of office. He's not going to be impeached out of office. So the only question is, would he just quit because he didn't want to do it anymore? And I can't imagine that's going to happen. Yeah. The only people who do that are vice presidents. I think. Occasionally, in vice presidents or or uh, governors, there was like a, Sarah yeah, go- lieutenant uh, governors, um, lieutenant, lieutenant governors, yeah, they just go like this is just nonsense. So, but he no, could be no, like no. Palin, and he could quit and get a job as a commentator on MSNBC. Kyle, I also think he'll be mayor. I didn't answer that one. Oh, pardon me, Austin. You you said yes, also. I think yes. Yeah. Yeah. Will Chicago remain a sanctuary city? I'll go first. Yes, it will, because the city council will not let it come to a vote. I say yes, because otherwise they're capitulating to the red states, to Abbott. 
They won't do that. I agree. I don't think they'll bring it to a voter. If they do, it'll pass. Right. I mean, we are what we are. We made this bed. I think we'll continue to lay in it. I, I don't know that. It, I don't know that it would pass. Uh, I, I given the way people are feeling about some of this, I, I'm not sure that it would that pass. It would it would pass. But I don't think I don't it would have passed two months ago. I think it passes now as this migrant crisis has eased a bit yeah. in terms of people where they are. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say slim chance. If I if I if I, if we're actually like going to be throwing some quarters out and betting on it, maybe no to Sanctuary City, because I think there is a very slim chance it gets on the ballot. They did have up to 30 aldermen at a time at that last meeting when so much was being done to keep them from having a quorum. They did have up to 30 at a time. So people are interested and they're going to be, I think, even more likely to show up when they meet on it tomorrow, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... If they're going to be there and they're going to talk about it, I think there's a slim chance. Because if, as an alderman, if I were an alderman, you put it on the ballot, it's a non-binding referendum. But then if you want to vote, you know, the way that the public votes, then you can blame it on them when, when the time comes. I'm a, I'm a no on this simply because getting it on means that the ballot has two pretty consequential questions on it. We almost never even get one. Right. But the right. real estate transfer tax hike will be on there, and that will be a huge yes campaign for a lot of aldermen, and they're not going to want to muddy the waters with it. Also, if they play, if Johnson plays the old game that Daly and Emanuel used to play, they get to preempt the what's on the ballot, right? They get to put theirs out first and make it pretty hard to fit anything else on. We still have two slots open, so they could put they could put some really wacky stuff on it. That would be a fun yeah. game to play. So I, yeah, really, yeah. Can I can I can I just interject a question for this uh, panel about the real estate transfer tax election? You think it's going to pass? I'm going to say no. Fifty percent threshold, right? It's not a sixty. Simple fifty. Yep. I say I say no as well. You guys are saying no that the voters won't ask for ninety percent of them to get what will be believed to be a real estate transfer break and let the rich guys pay more. How the progressive tax working statewide? Even though a lot of people were due to get a slight little tax break. Yeah, Yeah, but now Ken Griffin isn't here to sink all his money against it. Chicago as a city did vote for it. So, and and the other thing to consider here is this is a primary ballot, so it's like really heavy like democratic primary voters are going to be the people really voting on this so i i also my opinion is that should not pass it and i i I think it will be no but it will be very tight and very difficult to beat will there be tent camps how about this will there be tent camps for migrants a year from now i think within the next year yes because of the now consistent influx between april and november that has come from the southern border. There is sort of a seasonality to it over the past two years. We're in a lull now, but I think there will be another spike as the weather warms in 2024. It's funny because with the DNC coming, there'll be more probably pressure from the red states, from Texas anyway, to keep sending them here. Uh, but there'll be more desire maybe for the city to not have those camps so displayed. Uh, but I don't know how you get out from under that. So I'm going to guess that we will have tent camps come the DNC. That's a good, that's a good time uh, frame for that DNC. Um, I, I think that we will not have tent camps. Uh, I think that they will figure out other places for these uh, migrants to to live. The suburbs. They're not going <laughs> to let them off the buses until they have a place to go. Like, they know people in Naperville. I, I agree with Eric. I think, no, I think Johnson was badly burned 
um, by this whole episode with the environmental report. And again, a transparency issue, like you were talking about earlier, he's got too many of those already. Um, there's why not Lakeside Center? There, there are some opportunities. He couldn't find any brick and mortar at the beginning, and now suddenly he's finding them. So I have a feeling he'll find enough. And I also think I'm interested to see how this idea of impounding buses and finding the bus company yeah. might go. And if that holds up in court, it'll slow the roll before the DNC. I think, no, also, as Marge said, he got so burned on the current tent city that even though the state was willing to do it, also, um, it's going to leave a bad taste in everybody's mouth. We've already heard all the arguments against it, even though it will be better weather when the DNC comes. There is brick and mortar out there. I mean, they only just figured out about the archdiocese having all these open buildings, right? So they all of a sudden, they can find them. And they are out there. Yeah, I'm, I, I think there's a, a chance that it, we will still have the tent camps for sure, mostly just because I just I think strategically and logistically, the Republicans are going to ramp up back to sending more buses. And there's not a lot of other options. So if, unless the city comes up with a plan where we actually see some more options that are feasible, I think the tents are going to be inevitable again. There's going to be an enormous amount of pressure on Johnson to make sure that there are not a bunch of migrants living in tents on the sidewalks during the DNC. Yeah. And I think that's going to be sure. a really uh, a strong motivation for the city to find some of these brick and mortar places to maybe some of these schools that got closed. I mean, there are at least 50 schools that are not. Uh, and also, yeah, I just I just I can't I can't believe that they're not going to find. So every other Blackhawks game I come out of or go into, there is tents lined up next to the parking lots along Adams Street. They're gone the next game, game and they're back again. I mean, this is not some – it's a very fluid uh, situation. I think they do try and clear them every now and again, and it's not working now. It will obviously be more eyeballs at the DNC around the United Center, but it will be interesting. You're telling me that they, they're tearing tents down now and then they just pop back up? All I know is that I'll see 40 tents – with people living there between a little on a little grass nook between the south parking lots and then the next game there'll be nobody no tents no nothing and then the next game there's another 30 or 40 there do you think those are venezuelans or do you think those are just homeless chicagoans they i don't know for sure but i would venture to guess that they are venezuelans hmm. only because i worked there for 14 years and never seen it yeah, it's right. the same thing in Pilsen right now too. Like they're still out there. There's still plenty of tents. With the amount of people coming in, I, it's it's a tough task to find a place for all of them and get all the the clearances. Also, when you add in the criticism he's been getting, the administration's been getting about the chemicals and EPA concerns about some of these places. Like a lot of things have to be checked off to even put people into an actual physical location. So while the DNC and Democrats may want no one to be in tents, right. I just don't think they can really control that. And if you talk to Venezuelans, some of them prefer to be in a tent outside than in a, in a shelter in military barracks style. Uh, McDumkey got inside one of these uh, West Loop centers and there's no privacy. I mean, you're there with a thousand other beds in a couple floors. I'm in District 1 and tangentially volunteering with the others who do in our district. And sometimes they don't want to be inside. They'd rather be outside for the privacy. But also our district one gets cleared routinely when there's something happening. They cleared it all out before NASCAR. I'm surprised they don't clear it out before your Blackhawks games and then let them come back the day after. 
maybe they will once they hear what you just had to say that you observed it. Um, but there is some political strategy about who can be seen and when and where. Well, it's it's quite true that if you talk to people who are uh, among the homeless population, that they don't like the shelters, a lot of them. The shelters are loud and there is no security for their belongings, they feel like, and they feel like they're safer and have more privacy, you know, sleeping under viaducts and in tents. And um, so that, that that's a fact of life. So I'm not I'm not at all sure that that building big tent city camps are going to are going to begin to address the problem. They're going to get enough people living there even. I have just two or maybe three more for you all. Will Travis and Taylor be together at the end of the year? Gosh, I hope so. I'm going to say no. It's too fast, kids. This is too quick. You don't know each other enough. I think they should not have rushed this thing. They should have let it play out as much as they could. I say no. Taylor needs more publicity. She needs to move on to somebody and start the whole cycle all over again. She seems to have difficulty keeping her relationships going. Um, so I would say also say no. And also these celebrity unions tend to be short-lived. Even under the best of it. circumstances, yeah. When we're in Second City, I believe Eric was a yes, and he said it was true love. I, I was just being a helpless romantic. There you go. <laughs> hopeless romantic Eric Zorn. I mean, conventional wisdom with celebrity couples says that it's going to be ending pretty soon. But with Travis Kelsey's career starting to slow down a little bit, he's starting to get a little older, injuries catching up. Maybe there's a chance. So I'm I'm going to just I'm going to go with yes. 2024, they will hold strong. Taylor will have a few songs. She hasn't released any songs about him yet. Songs come post breakup. Uh, so she's going to be starting her whole new cycle. She needs to put out a new album. She needs the new breakup song. So no, they cannot stay together. It's impossible. I think they'll be together. I also like John speaking to Taylor Swift like she's some child being like, all right, kids, don't get she's 34, John. <laughs> it's an adult. I have this sad picture of a star is born. You know, he can't tolerate her success. And when his career fails, he's going to get drunk and leave her. I hope that's not the case. Well, <laughs> it is certainly true that she looks like she's going to be extremely uh, prolific and famous and successful for many years. And, and oh, yeah. Travis, I mean, even the best NFL players, by the time they're hit their mid thirties, they are, are, have had it. So I don't know what that would be like to be, to be married to someone that famous, especially when you've tasted fame yourself. It would be mm-hmm. an interesting tell, right? I mean, her relationships usually end badly. And as Kate reminds us, that's when the songs come out. So maybe they're doing something. I could just, this is the Saturday Night Live skit, right? They're watching TV or doing something and they get into a little spat. And then she gets out a pad of paper and starts writing a song. It's like, hey, what are you writing down there? What's that? It's the <laughs> lyrics to the first song. That looks bad. And uh, then it turns out the song is too good for her to stick with him. She's got to put the song out. Yeah, it goes really. I do. I would love to stay with you, but damn, this is a good tune. So. I got a really good tune. Here. <laughs> you got to go. Will Mike Johnson be the speaker of the House of Representatives at the end of the year? John Hansen says yes. Uh, and by the way, I mean at the end of twenty twenty four. So right. we're talking the new speaker wouldn't be if there was a swing till twenty twenty five January third. So I'll say yes. He will complete this Congress as Speaker of the House. I, I don't think he will be. I'm saying no. I think that he's going to run afoul of the hotheads in his party because he's going to have to deal with the Democrats and um, and he's going to run into the same thing that McCarthy ran into, which is that there are, are so many absolutists or there are enough absolutists in his party. They want to they want find someone who is who is more pure than he is. I think he is the speaker, but that could perhaps just be for lack of imagination to envision the scenario that Eric is talking about. 
I don't see an immediate issue that would cause that, but that doesn't mean that there there won't be one. Yeah, I think he lasts through the year. I, I think it happens. It seems like he gets along well with all the Republicans. I don't think he's made any enemies yet, and I think it'll probably stay that way. He's he's cuckoo enough to appeal to the cuckoos, and also appears moderate enough to appear to the moderate. So he'll hold. To, to whom does he appear moderate? <laughs> I mean, I can't. It's so hard well, to imagine. I don't he's not outwardly. I'm- he's not outwardly crazy. <laughs> You have to you have to dig he's, to find. He's right. moderately crazy, but I think he's crazy. I mean, he says and does nutty things, but he's not Marjorie Taylor Greene or right. Matt Gates or somebody like that. But what a bar! But a moderate, but a moderate Republican. What's the point? A moderate Republican's not going to motion to vacate, though, right? Like your Freedom Caucus will. He seems to have appeased them somewhat. A moderate Republican won't stand up that way. We still have the budget, the debt ceiling that we're going to crash into. Right. And he's going to if he doesn't if he makes a deal like McCarthy did, then the the Red Hots on the the right are going to want want him out. He's not he's not pure enough. He's already got strike one against him. Yeah. But uh, maybe the more relevant question, who do you think is going to win the House in the next election? My money's with the Democrats. Senate, I wish I could be as sure about. But I believe the Democrats win back the House. Hakeem Jeffries becomes speaker. But. John is right until January 25, unless there's, you know, an insurrection. I would think so, too. I think that this abortion issue continues to heat up. I know I guess we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But but uh, I I don't think there's going to be a red wave. I'm not sure what's going to happen in the presidential election. I guess we'll have to make our guesses on that. But but um, I think that that voting locally and, and it's so close, and I think that the, uh, the there's so many people in this country are pro-choice, don't like what they're seeing out of the Republicans on the abortion issue, that the Democrats will take the House back. Boy, if I had to guess right now who's going to win the next presidential election, and I think Kate said it could be neither Trump nor Biden, but I think it's Donald Trump. Marge, who do you think, sitting here today, if you had to place a bet, who do you think wins the next presidential race? Well, I think Biden does. And not just because that's what I, you know, fervently hope, but I, you know, I, I just think you only have to whittle away a little bit um, with a conviction. You don't need to sway the MAGAs who will not be swayed, but uh, those independents, um, he's carrying more and more baggage all the time. He's getting more and more vocal about his authoritarian plan. Dictatorship only on one day. I I think that's one day too many for a whole lot of moderates and independents. We got to get the vote out and do the work, which we didn't do in 2016, but we've done ever since. And it's gone Democrats away because of it. You know, I have swayed back and forth on it. At this point, I'm going to say Trump's going to win 2024, mostly because I just it, it feels very 2016. The Democrats seem too confident. They don't seem to be addressing the very real and valid concerns of key constituencies within their own party. They got time to make it up, but they're losing big time with a lot of people, especially people of color. And the way these elections work, Democrats have to excite and get people to the polls to win these elections at this point. And the Republicans just got to do their thing. The voters are going to be there. It's kind of baked in already. So I don't see that excitement happening. I think the questions around Biden's age are legitimate and people are going to continue those. Obviously, when you have the two against each other, it's going to be different. But, um, yeah, I think I think Trump's got it. Unfortunately, it feels very 2016. Oh, boy, I'm worried uh, on many different fronts. I thought RFK would pull more from Trump voters because he's more aligned with their core populist 
conspiracy theory adjacent <laughs> mindset, but the polling doesn't show that. I still think Biden will win. Um, if you're forcing me to bet today, I, I think the anti-Trump fervor among Democrats is more motivating than the anti-Biden fervor. And I guess that's what I would bank on if I had to make a guess. I think if it's an election uh, where Trump and abortion dominate the debate, it is totally in the bag for Democrats. And that's what we've seen in the elections over the last two years. But if it's a debate um, more so on economic issues and kitchen table issues, then it's kind of Republicans to lose. I think at this point, I would say, based on everything we've seen so far, I would I would put my money on Biden. But the betting markets are still are still Trump. And I, I don't really take much stock in polling right now at all. But certainly if the election was today, um, you wouldn't hate Trump Trump's odds right now. But if, I, I think it's just too early to tell. I can't really picture either of them somehow and <laughs> i really thought i really i really do have a feeling of the possibility of neither i might be being completely insanely optimistic when i think that trump actually could get convicted of something one of these things but he could still run <laughs> if he was convicted well but the supreme court may take the case from the special prosecutor and i actually heard john dean on cnn <laughs> And he persuaded me that there was a good chance the Supreme Court would rule in the right direction. He pointed out that in the uh, Watergate case, when Nixon wanted to keep his tapes secret, that the Supreme Court sorted that out in 61 days, I believe he said. And he thought this was more, even more of a slam dunk case against presidential privilege. So I'm going to be totally optimistic there and say maybe... Trump gets taken out of the picture. I mean, I think if it's Trump versus Biden, I think Trump does win. I don't understand it. I don't want to put much stock in polls, but I'm going to hold out for Trump gets convicted. And I really think that the age problem with Biden is 100%, 200% legit. He should not be running. And even more than that, as somebody with a lot of experience with uh, both Alzheimer's and regular dementia with my loved ones. I've seen how it, how the course can go. And I think there's a good chance that Biden might not even be, I think even his handlers may realize he is not up for it. It's, that's it's a good not, question. Will he be it, the nominee? That's that's a good question. Well, it's yeah. It, it's yes. I think finally he gets either he withdraws or they push him out. Well, there's not a lot of runway for another Democrat to come in, though, right now. It's I mean, it takes it takes a lot of, of um, fundraising and organizing and, you know, putting it all together. And it's very rare that you have a campaign that would start even even this late. Uh, I have faith I, in Governor Pritzker and his money. If it's Trump against Biden, I do think that the anti-Trump sentiment, the fears that people have will animate Democrats unlike any other candidate. I I think if Republicans were smart about this, they would nominate someone like Nikki Haley, who is also a pretty far right candidate. I don't agree with her on much of anything, but she doesn't look like someone who's going to be the end of the republic. And I think that someone, that there's always this hunger for change. People are upset about the economy because there was this spike in inflation. And even though inflation is now back down, the prices are still up where they were. You look at the price of, of food, you look at the price of gas, which uh, I know fluctuates, but the people still are feeling that they're, they're, they're falling behind. 
And and the immigration, the border issue is still really resonant for people. And if they think that they can elect someone who is young and, and vibrant and can get in there and and uh, and beat Biden, I think that's a much bigger threat to Democrats. But I don't think the Republicans are smart enough to realize that, that Trump is maybe the only Republican who could lose to Biden. If it's Biden, Trump, it's Biden. And I think it is going to be Biden and Trump. Between that animosity and fear around a Trump presidency that would be a dictatorship, as promised, and the anger around the abortion issue, I don't see how Biden can lose if we turn out the vote and work. And I got to remind you, because I think I've said on the show before, we didn't have this grassroots network in 2016 to turn out the vote. But now you have it nationally. You have Indivisible nationally. You have Sister District. You have Swing Left. You have thousands, millions of campaign workers on the street that we didn't have in 2016. Yeah, but March, what, what do you make of that? by Trump. Well, but what do you make of what Brandon is saying, which is that uh, Biden and the Democrats have been losing support in minority communities? That's a place where we have to do a lot of work. When you look at what Biden is delivering on his promises, you know, in terms of better wages, infrastructure that the Republicans vote against and then proudly um, claim responsibility for in their districts, uh, lowering the price of drugs and uh increasing jobs, employment among um, my folks of color is higher than it's ever been. You know, his story has to be told and why Democrats aren't so good at it. I don't know. Because Democrats are born to be upset with what is happening and to think the world is on fire, even when it maybe isn't. Biden is the most progressive president since LBJ. And the left pushed LBJ out (laughs) and he didn't run for. Well, he had some baggage. But he did well, right. He had foreign policy baggage. He had foreign policy He did have some baggage. I'm just saying that I don't know who's a more progressive president in the last 40 years. I agree. I agree. He's not going to beat FDR, but he sure ties up there with Johnson. Morning consult. Trump plus two today. NPR Marist Biden up one. The average spread is like one point. This is not some I know they're shocking to look at for some people, but this is not some insurmountable 20 point national deficit. The use of polls is to mobilize the base. And believe me, that's happening. Biden does have a better story to tell than what you would think from the polls, but it's not necessarily a rational decision for some people. He's losing people. He's got the baggage right now of the the whole Israel-Gaza war. And his progressive base are the people who are very unhappy with what he's doing on that. And that's not going away real soon. <laughs> Mideast never goes away. And I think I heard his son just got indicted. That can't be good. You know, I was going to bring that up. None of us have mentioned that. Maybe we shouldn't. But if, again, you were just to say, based on what we know today, that Hunter Biden thing is all over the news. And it's on CNN. It's on MSNBC. Clearly, the right-wing media is covering it. Even News Nation, which tries to find a lane in the middle successfully, sometimes less so others. But they're all over that. I think the media falls prey to some of these stories. I think the media overplays the Biden age issue. I don't think he has dementia. Uh, I think he's old and he's a lifelong stutterer. He's not as quick on his feet or in his head as he used to be. But even talking about dementia and Biden, I think, just makes it a story that it isn't. I think the media falls sucker to a lot of these narratives that just aren't all that 
true. And and so then back to Hunter Biden, I've I've clearly decided I'm not going to vote for him. But we don't have any connection between anything he's done and his father. And yet, boy, this impeachment thing, this impeachment thing. What also doesn't help here is that you have a vice president in Kamala Harris who has been positioned as the person who's to be the future, the, the baton passing. And yet you don't see her. Where is she at? She's and then when you do, um, she's extremely defensive. There is a fascinating New York Times interview from Ested Herndon on his run up podcast. She just takes every simple question as it's taken aback. Like, what? How? What? Ugh, I don't understand the question. And that's not helping. Like, that's not helping at all. People have legitimate concerns, issues. We're talking about communications with the Democrats. Okay, if people are saying, I see the economic numbers, I'm not feeling it, tell me what you're doing, and you respond back with, I just, I don't know. You're dismissive. It's just very 2016 Hillary Clinton, and they are going to lose badly taking people for granted like that. And Kamala Harris isn't the wild card they hoped she would be. She's really not an asset right now, and that's that's part of the issue right now, too. She's not on the level of, say, a vice president, Val Demings, how he could have passed her up. Mm, yeah. um, never know. Way be, wow. What a different place. What an be. idea. Wow. Yeah. That, wow. He talked to her. She was on the short list. There was a TV show called The Wire. It was really good, but it was not about poor old Danny Solis, the one-time, long-time Chicago alderman who wore a wire and cooperated with federal agents to snare former House Speaker Mike Madigan and by happenstance fellow alderman Ed Burke. Burke is charged with over a dozen counts of political tomfoolery, racketeering, bribery, extortion, the use. And in his defense, Burke's team called Solis to the stand. Put that in your HBO show. So I want to talk a little bit about what you guys thought about that strategy and what was said on the stand and what uh, the, the two sides have rested. There'll be closing arguments in the next couple of days, and we may have a verdict before Christmas. I wasn't really surprised by anything that I read about what he had to say. I find it interesting that this is like his job now. He's a professional federal witness in trials for essentially selling out his friends and wearing a wire. Of course, he very much was going to be facing his own problems, too. I guess my overall thought on the whole trial is I don't think it makes any waves. And this is the same thing I thought with the ComEd 4 thing. People are so interested until the indictment, but... John, are people lighting up your phone calls about phone lines about the Ed Burke trial? Nope, but I still think it's an interesting story, and I think it's more impactful than maybe people know, or at least more representative of how screwed up things are than people care to think about. No, it's not a small thing, of course, and I just I can't find the time to care. Wow, and I hate to say that. Okay, but as a TV <laughs> John, show, you're for extortion. I know, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I just I'm, I'm just like John on this one. I really I okay, get it. But have you guys even been following it then? Because I think it's yes. fascinating. You're not intrigued by the fact that for two years he was wearing a wire and forget about the big tuna comment and all that jazz. Just the the crappiness of it all. I think it's a fascinating story. I'm 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 surprised that you, John, of all wonks, aren't a little. You caught me on the wrong day. There, I mean, let's get legal on Saturday. I did two hours of Ed Burke. There you and go. Maybe I just got it out of my system. I haven't seen the smoking gun in this trial. I, uh, I, I didn't say I have either. Okay, so that's what I, I, I think also he's find interesting. I think there's a very good chance he's not going to be found guilty. 
maybe that's what make, drives me crazy about it is because oh now it drives you crazy okay it walked <laughs> like a duck it talked like a duck and there's like nothing there it's like yeah. politics it's it reminds me a little bit of the blago case a lot of it like is this just politics as usual of course it is in some ways did it go too far probably but is it going to convict a jury of his peers i don't think so his defense is like blago's he's like it can't be a crime because um, they didn't hire me. Blago was like, yeah, I tried to sell the seat, but no one bought it. So it's not illegal. I can tell you it brought me a, a small a little flashback to the time Edward tried to shake me down. What's that? Want to hear about it? Go. <laughs> no, I ran the League of Chicago Theaters, a million and a half arts nonprofit, right? Nothing much. But we wanted to lower the amusement tax. So I got a meeting with him, sat down, we chat because I knew him from City Hall. And uh, then he turns like a lawyer. And ask me, who are your clients? I'm like, I don't have any clients. I run the league. He said, yeah, but who are your other clients? I'm like, I, I don't have any. He's okay. Well, what's your interest in the building at 150 West Monroe? I'm like, oh, I was looking for new space for the league. And we looked at a, a office there and it wasn't any good. But that's all. Okay. What can I do for you? <laughs> so he wanted the tax business if you were going to move to that building? I think so. Or if I had some further interest, or he had somebody do research on me before I came yeah, in. Yeah, it's funny that it was he knew shoddy that. shoddy research because yeah. none of that was true. But I think he was going to give me a suggestion of how he could get some business before I could get my tax lowered, which we did, by the way, because it was the right thing to do for the arts. And he helped us later. <laughs> Wait, so you did give him the business? No, I didn't have any business to give him. I ran a nonprofit with a little budget. Yeah. No, he I gave her the amusement tax that lowered. We got the, the, we got the yeah, amusement yeah, yeah. tax yeah. reduction, yeah. which is what the theaters need. I totally get what John is saying. It's just sort of sad. I mean, this was a guy who was actively trying to put the zoning committee chair on his payroll, getting him property tax appeals business, was trying to, was maybe not as effective as he would have liked to be. Which is also funny that every example of this that has come out of the Burke trial has been him failing to be like a good enough <laughs> goon. It's like yeah. I didn't get the internship for the the goddaughter. I didn't get the this that. Calling this is a classic tactic where you call the mole to the stand and you make him say he's a mole and a rat to everybody on the jury. It doesn't usually work. They always try it, uh, but the conviction rate has been set on these cases that are brought in the. The Northern District of Illinois, I mean, it's a 90 plus, I believe, even high 90s percent success rate. And that is will likely be the case here. And as I always say, it's it's structural reforms will make this not happen in the future, not the indictment. So I agree with John that the actual result of this, if he gets off, yes, will people be emboldened by that? Certainly. But even if he's convicted, uh, people... <laughs> The record shows that people are emboldened by that. We get more. Of it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think, and we get, again, we have sitting lawmakers running property tax appeals firms right now. Robert Martwick runs a property tax firm. And uh, I called that out on, on Twitter last week because I'm like, all these journalists are, are covering the Burke trial. And what about you guys go talk to this Robert Martwick guy? And I got like three calls on the next day about people complaining that I had brought that up. Like it's the same kind of behind closed doors, strong arming behavior that has defined the city forever. And you have to call it out when you see it. I think it's such an obvious fix too. just don't let co city council or uh, city council people, older people 
have other jobs. Right. Not just vote, but they can't even have other jobs because, as Kate reminded us, they just walk it up to the goal line, hand the ball off to somebody else. They don't vote, but the work has been done. I'm fine even paying them more so that they don't have to have another job. I think that's fair. I think that's fair, too. Yeah. It's a lot of responsibility. It's a lot of responsibility. Yeah. I mean, it is quite possible that the jury will say, we'll we'll hold with the closing argument that says, yeah, yeah, he was mixing business with uh, his political office, and that wasn't right, but it didn't rise to the level of a crime. Uh, I think that it did. Closing arguments have already started. They're they're going on as we are recording this podcast. They're going to keep going, I think, all the way through the week. And uh, it's hard to know where a jury is going to come down, but but uh, I would have a hard time uh, imagining at this point that they would acquit because part because uh, the, um, uh, the the success rate in that building is so high, as Austin says, and they, they don't bring cases they don't think they can win, and and they have a very good very good team there. So uh, I know we're not doing predictions on this, but I would I would right now I've got to say even though as a reader of these stories I'm not convinced. Uh, just my my sense of how these go is that they will be convicted. I think he's going to get off. And, and I applaud the prosecutors for bringing the case. And, and obviously, Austin, you're right. They they almost always win. I mean, they should win. He obviously did it. But I, I, do, think, I do think he's probably going to get off because, John, you're right. This is The Wire. And if we all have watched the show at the end of every season, it's just a reset. <laughs> you never accomplish anything. Yep. And that's when they succeed. Nothing improves, right? So... Um, so it is just like the wire, I think. When I think about the various details in each of these counts, it's kind of confusing. We've got a whole jury of people who remember from the jury selection they they had no experience at all with politics. So the whole everything coming at them is new and gonna be confusing. And then they have to decide, oh, like this Burger King. Well, it turns out that, that they did need a driveway permit that they did not get. So maybe it was okay for him to delay it over that. Oh, they did have, they were letting a bunch of trucks park next to their part uh, their Burger King on, on land that they owned. And there was drugs and some prostitution going on. And Alderman Burke wanted to clear that up. Well, you know, isn't that what he's supposed to do? And, and Burke's entire defense has been Danny Solis has entrapped him. I was thinking, well, none of this happens, but Solis wears the wire for a couple of years. And I was thinking, well, why was Danny Solis winning the, helping the FBI? What, you know, what did they have on him? If they don't have him, they don't got anybody. So I went back and looked that up. And here's here's the paragraph from the Sun-Times. Retiring Alderman Danny Solis of the 25th received sex acts, Viagra, Free weekend use of an Indiana farm once owned by Oprah Winfrey and a steady stream of campaign contributions in exchange for shepherding official city council actions, according to a federal court affidavit. That's why we're all here today. And the whole point of having him on the stand, which was risky, was to be able to show the jurors this guy did, This guy is kind of a slime ball. He's just here to save his own neck. I mean, the reason that the prosecution didn't call Solis is they didn't need to because they had all they needed from him on the recordings. And it doesn't really matter if he's, you know, what his motives were. I I, I would agree. I think it was Austin who said that this kind of tactic usually backfires, that that uh, it, it makes the defense look a little desperate because they're 
trying to explain away things that are on the tape by saying, well, this is a bad guy who was, was wearing the wire. Well, so what? Doesn't matter. I mean, yeah, I think Solis was a bad guy, is a bad guy, but those recordings speak for themselves. I don't know. I talked to federal defense attorney Michael Leonard, who's probably won the most not guilty verdicts. John, you've had him on your show. Mm-hmm. And he said it was a no brainer to call Solis and uh, poke holes everywhere he could. And the, there was only upside to it. Because it was otherwise not. It's going just to go you well have a couple of Solis tapes. That's why the prosecutors don't call Solis because they don't want him cross examined by the defense. So you do a cross-examination, essentially, by calling them as your own witness. Yeah, John Hansen, that is. You started by saying Solis's new career is to be an expert witness. His new career is to save his own butt, right? Yes. That's what he has to be out there doing. But I also know I only covered in my journalist time at Reporting Days one trial absolutely every day beginning to end. And it was not, it was uh, the first Greylord judge years ago, decades ago, perhaps, um, but it, it was eye-opening because you'd, you'd read the paper and say, yeah, but they left out this other part. Or, yeah, this didn't fit in the story, but the jury heard it. And it's going to – it's really hard to draw your conclusion, right? You've all been in one way or another covering these things, right? It's mm-hmm. hard to draw your conclusion from the snippets that we see. Mike Madigan's attorney was there when Solis was on the stand. I wonder what this trial – suggests for his chances um austin i haven't heard from you in a few minutes uh, what do you think that this is telling in some way in mike madigan's case nothing jumps out tremendously to me madigan's should be more worried about the comment for a case right because that has a lot more bearing on sort of the facts of this case and um whereas burks was a much more small time offense if you want to put it that way mm-hmm. mike madigan with a massive publicly traded company that over many years was giving many different kinds of favors uh, to him and his allies in exchange for legislative action. So to me, nothing jumps out as being directly relevant to his case, no. Come January 1st, a new state law in Illinois says that if someone flees to Illinois to get an abortion, thereby breaking, say, a law in Missouri or Texas, Illinois will not cooperate with those other state authorities. There are other measures in our law at the beginning of the new year to accommodate physicians or women wishing to terminate a pregnancy. But meanwhile, in Texas, the Supreme Court there ruled that a Dallas area woman was ineligible for an abortion, according to that state's laws. Kate Cox is her name. She's a mother of two, had been carrying a fetus with trisomy 18. Doctors say, and a judge agreed, that the unborn baby had virtually no chance of survival. In fact, the judge ruled that carrying the child to term would endanger the woman's health and her chances to conceive again. Still, the Texas Attorney General, after surviving a 20-count impeachment trial earlier this year, that may be irrelevant, couldn't resist it, argued that the risk to the woman's health was not sufficient to qualify for an abortion. She'd have to be closer to dead before the abortion would be allowed, and the high court there held with the state. Even after four different emergency room visits, it is reported that Kate Cox left the state for services elsewhere. I have just been aghast at this story. The states like Texas that really have very strict rules about a woman's right to an abortion, you would think would accommodate this woman, and yet the attorney general there fought her in court over that, and the state Supreme Court sided with the state. You know, I 
have already dated myself with a Greylord re reference, so I'll continue to say, you know, I came of age as Roe v. Wade uh, became the law of the land. Certainly, it was a frightening time for women ahead of that time and men who cared about women as well, I will say. It's not just a woman's issue. Abortion has ignited a lot of male voters as well, as well should. Um, and Kate Cox's husband is standing with her as well. But the punitive nature of a male attorney general going after a woman who is trying ultimately to make sure she could have more children. That's one of the problems she's concerned about because uh, she would have to have a cesarean to deliver a baby under this condition is what her doctors have said. She would not be able to have more children because of her physiology. So, I, you know, the idea that you're defeating the very purpose of having women be a vessel for children, which is what he seems to think they're only there for. I thought we were decades beyond that. It is so demoralizing and such an outrage. Hard to say specifically how I feel about it, except believe me, we're going to organize against uh, Trump in 2024 on this issue. And we've been handed in that sense of political gift. It's hard to think of any rational reason whatsoever, of course, for these rulings. So I'm I'm just going to have to assume that we're talking about people who are going by 100% religious ideas here. I, I just don't see what else it can be. Yeah, uh, to me, it's just revealing that the uh, anti-abortion forces really have no limiting principle, that they will say what they need to say. They'll talk about, oh, 15 weeks, 20 weeks, uh, exceptions for this, that, and the other thing. But when it comes right down to it, they will enact as as severe and as tight as restrictions as they possibly can. And that ultimately, and there's a bill introduced in Missouri just the other day uh, to punish women who get abortions. And that's, that is the inevitable next step. They've, they've said all along, oh, no, no, we're not going to do that. But it's inevitable that they will. And, and so, you know, the, the ends will justify the means for, for them. They will say whatever they need to at the time to get the political leverage to keep advancing their position. But there is no compromise in a lot of these people who are, who are really pushing the uh, anti-abortion line. And they don't seem to realize that something like 66% of the public is in favor of, 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 abortion rights, at least generally speaking, um, maybe not all, not full abortion rights or totally to, you know, whatever, but, but there is a, definitely a sense that to a certain point, this is not the state's business. And yet this, this hard right wing of the Republican Party that wants to ban all abortions will not stop until they get what they want. And in that political calculus, I think, always ignored is the fact that this law will be enforced and there will be many, many, many endless stories like this. But it also takes a very brave person to be the face of something like this. Uh, and I am struck by that throughout this entire saga. I mean, this is someone who already has two children, um, you know, is living her day to day life in her community and has become really the face of one of the most polarizing issues in the country. Uh, and that is pretty remarkable. It's also risky. I mean, this is women who have to take up these cases have to endure the struggle of time when they're really in danger because court cases take a little time to play out. They can expedite things all they want, but a week where a woman is life is a danger unless she gets an abortion per se in another state, she's got to make the decision to fight it fight the law and go through that 
sometimes lengthy court process instead of just, hey, I got to save my life. I got to go to another state. My heart breaks for Kate Cox, the the stress, the trauma. Um, and it's just really unfortunate that we're in a country where uh, that's something that she has to deal with right now. As we see more of these things play out, it's going to play into uh, the national elections and the elections that happen across the country for Congress and Senate as well, because even Republican voters have, have shown they don't like when people get draconian on abortion. They don't like when people tell them what they should be doing. It used to be the whole conservative stance was government not interfering with your life when now we're seeing the opposite here. If Trump loses, it will be in no small part because of suburban women that swing vote who value the right to take make your own decisions about when to have your family, when and whether. And um, I hope that that will include women of color. I believe that it will. And maybe that's the answer to your earlier question, Brandon, about how we um, reverse some of this trend of people less confident about Biden, because you, one thing you can say for sure, Biden is going to stand up for women's right to access to abortion. And to Marge's point, Nevada looks like they'll have a ballot measure. That's a swing state. Arizona looks to have a ballot measure on the 2024 election on the same day. That's a swing state. Nebraska, one congressional district is up for grabs. It'll be on the ballot there. Iowa, a state that President Obama won, that will be on the ballot there. And even Florida and Pennsylvania potentially could have ballot issues on the same day as their presidential election next year. It's interesting, isn't it? Because it was how long ago? It was about 20 years ago that the Republicans stuffed the ballot uh, on, in many states, gay marriage. gay marriage, gay marriage referenda, trying to get the hardcore Republicans out to vote. And it, it worked, worked for and it worked for them then. It worked for them twenty. That was uh, that was uh, a long time ago. Thank goodness. But it'll work here. I have no doubt about oh. that. And how shocking and horrific that Kate Cox has to put her life and her family on the line in order to get this debate to re-energize. She was in and out of the emergency room while the court deliberated, even over yeah. a couple of days. Good yeah. for her for leaving state. And by the way, Texas can't go after her for leaving the state. That's not a thing. I can't imagine being a citizen of Texas. I was reading in the Texas Tribune a little bit about it and how it was argued before the Supreme Court. In fact, the attorneys for the state said to her, did you sue your doctor? Did you sue your hospital for services that they were saying they wouldn't render? Because ultimately the physicians are like, it's a gray area. We don't want to lose our license. We don't want to go to jail. We don't want to be sued by the state. So they don't provide the services. And so they were attacking her in court saying, why didn't you go after your doctor? and sue them for the services. That would have been the resolution. Don't come after the state. I don't know what the upshot of that is. I just can't imagine, though, being in a state where that was my state's attitude. My attorney general would be going after this poor woman who's heartbroken. She's got two kids. She wants more. This happens, and then we we punish her. This will sound grand, but I really feel it living in Illinois. I'm glad I don't live in a state where that's my state's attitude about that issue. John, can I can I ask you? You must have talked about this on the air. What was the reaction of your listeners to that? I haven't brought it up yet. I brought it up on your show the other day. Yeah, I know, and I'm glad you did. I'm glad that you came on about that, to be honest with you. Yeah. I'm more into the Ed Burke story, but I'm an outlier on that. <laughs> I'll add only one other point. Thank goodness Kate Cox and her family have the resources to leave state, the state. 
Mm. Um, and I'm sure that there are donations for that sort of thing. I'd contribute to that, and I'm sure many of us would. But think about the number of women who are in similar predicaments, or even if their health is not in danger, their family stability is in danger because they don't have the jobs that can continue yeah. this child, whatever their reasons are. It's none of our business what their reasons are, but they have reasons to think this is not a good choice for their family. And they don't have the resources to leave the state. No one is going to pitch in to help them because their cases aren't even public. The unfairness of this, the inequality of it is something to also keep in mind. They've picked someone with the means as a test case. And we will have a June 2024 ruling on mifepristone, the drug that uh, has gone through a little battle. The Supreme Court, I think it was today or yesterday, granted writ and they will decide this case. As we go... I just want to bring up the fact that my good friend um, George Santos is has been making $599 per personalized video to people that want to get a video from him on the Chicago-based Cameo website. I went on a little riot, a podcast to go, saying that I think it's terrible that people would give money to these scoundrels and and therefore give money to Cameo. Cameo should not be a business partner of somebody like George Santos. He started out at 200, it went to 253, $600. It may be back to $500 now for a personalized video from the deposed New York congressman. This is from Vanity Fair. It says here, last week, Semaphore reported that he was on track to make more money in a few days than his annual congressional salary of $174,000. They say that he was at a party on the Upper East Side where he had told the people that he had 140 orders on Friday at $600 apiece, which would make him 83000 $860 in a single day. He would make half of his congressional pay on Cameo in one day. If, this, if he's not a liar and, you know, he, kind he is. Of John, this will drive you crazy, but did you know he's demanding $20,000 from Jimmy Kimmel for showing some of the Cameo videos? On Jimmy Kimmel show. Oh, really? <laughs> I I remain all angry money, at Cameo. I remain angry that, at Cameo. All that money is going to come in handy in the prison commissary. <laughs> you, think, you think he's going to go to jail on that, Eric? You think he's? Going I to do. I time? Yes, I do. Oh, there's. I your, think Cameo doing this is a celebration of our First Amendment, and it makes me proud to be an American. That's what <laughs> absolutely. Austin said something like that, though not as eloquently last week. All right, fine. I'm to hell with you guys. I'm done with this podcast. I'm done with you. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your participation this week. It was good to see your faces on the video Zoom, and good to hear your voices today. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll wrap it up here. Thanks for being on the pod, and let's do another one soon. Thanks, John. Happy holidays. Yeah, yeah we're not going to do. We're, we're done for the uh, year now, right? You're not. You're, I'm you're looking gone. at uh, Pete, right? So I'm going to be gone on vacation. We're going to take select clips from previous pods and run them until the first of the year. So we'll call on you the first of January, okay, guys? January sounds 3rd. good. All right. 2024 should be quiet. Looking yeah. forward. Uh, yeah. Happy holidays, everybody. How yeah. will we yeah. find something year. to talk about? Happy New Year. <laughs> Bye, guys. Happy holidays, guys. Happy holidays, Pete. Bye. Okay. Bye. We're produced by Ben Anderson. I'm looking at Bob Ferguson, the engineer, and we're also produced by Pete Zimmerman. Happy holidays. We'll drop another pod on you next year.
subscribe to the Mincing Rascals podcast on iTunes or the Google Play Music Store. You can now also follow us on Spotify, or you can keep listening online at WGNRadio.com. 